Hi, this is Wyndham Graves with Art131, and today we're here to talk about um, Nintendo uh, gameplay and uh, their aesthetics, and generally just kind of why that company feels so different than some of the other video game companies that we see in the world today. And with me today, I have John Henry Graves and Kesser Sabir. Uh, if you two would introduce yourselves and just give uh, give me a brief history of either the games you the kinds of games you like or um what you feel are really the important things in video games today uh john henry go first um so yeah i'm john henry and uh video game wise i actually really do like nintendo and i enjoy the switch lately i do also do pc gaming and i like kind of a turn-based strategy games a lot lately Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, I like pick-up-and-play games. So like Rocket League, Splatoon, Smash Brothers, games that Mario Kart, games that okay. you can just, you, you don't fall out of if you take a break. All right, that sounds great. Kesser? Hi, I'm uh, I'm Kesser Sabir. Uh, I am actually a video game collector, so I have just about, you know, everything Nintendo... Uh, and anything else related to to gaming, the um I play just about everything but sports games. Okay, very cool. And uh, I'm Wyndham, and I really dig the Nintendo stuff. I do Nintendo gaming, PC stuff, and board games. And um, yeah, the, the, this conversation is a little bit more lax than some of the ones we've had previously, where we have professionals. But I think that it's important to realize that a lot of the way people enjoy things is not professionally uh, most people aren't professionals in the things that they enjoy and that's totally okay so we're all here to talk about nintendo um the first thing i want to talk about is uh some of the stuff that you were that you both mentioned um especially the pick up and play uh is that the game experience of nintendo stuff in particular and let's start with um some of the franchises that most people are used to and most people have probably played the most. Uh, I think a good place to start is Smash Brothers, um, just because it's probably the most popular of their franchises, either in hours played or number of people who have put hands on a controller. Um, do either of you want to kick us off as to what uh, Smash Brothers is? Um, so Smash Brothers is basically a it's a uh, fighting game that consists of all of like nintendo's franchises and i'll just duking it out all right yeah well, and they uh, incorporate other franchises as well it's not only nintendo yeah say that one more time they incorporate all the like other franchises now later uh, on can you give some examples nintendo. oh well um Bayonetta isn't a Nintendo character true um street fighter characters are in it now you have Ryu and Ken uh, now, what do you guys think like that. makes that game so much more popular than, say, those original games? Like, not a whole lot of people play Street Fighter today compared to Smash Brothers or Mortal Kombat or any of those things feel less... I feel like Street Fighter's actually stayed more relevant than Mortal Kombat has just because it kind of has a cachet, like a, a history, mm-hmm. an arcade history that's more, uh, I don't know. And what makes Ma- what makes Smash Brothers stick around more than those? I don't. I mean, I think it has a very dynamic feel in the gameplay, in mm-hmm. that you're not you, 
you can move around a lot jumping and, and the fact that you're not just um, peppering damage to win, that you actually have to knock somebody off makes it feel more dynamic. It allows for like crazier comebacks where somebody gets gimped off the ledge. It just has a lot more uh, going on, I think, for a lot of people than the traditional fighting game where you just kind of back up, move forward, punch, kick low. <laughs> yeah. Kesser? You know, it definitely has like um, a particular particular feel to it, to where um, I don't even know how to how to describe it. It's just, which is the amount of characters that it has that everybody can like familiarize with, and um, and just a different, a completely different play style. It just it just stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also the fact that the characters come from games that you already like for a different reason makes it more fun to play with them in that setting. Yeah, I think yeah. it's that mix and match thing of um, would character from this universe or character from that universe win, and now yeah. you can actually go do that. Uh, but yeah, whereas it gives like you a Street really Fighter, those characters only exist within Street Fighter. Whereas, yeah, you know, if you love Mario, you can play as Mario or Donkey Kong or whatever. Yeah, and I think that that easy um, entry point is also part of, part of the gameplay. Um, you can do all right just button mashing. You're not going to win, but you're also yeah. not going to do nothing. Yeah, yeah, well, it's one of those like easy-to-play, hard-to-master type games. Like The people at the top tiers are amazing, but anybody can enjoy playing. And I think, once again, because you're playing with a character that you actually like or have an affinity with, even if you kind of suck, it doesn't make it as miserable. Yeah, true. Kesser? No, I mean, I, I agree with that. That's so good. Yeah. And so this most recent edition, the the one that came out for the Switch, is the one that people are, are playing on now. And it's um, has it completely replaced the, the GameCube one, or are people still playing the GameCube one as the competitive um, um, one has hung around. Melee has, Melee has hung around, and uh, the only one that really was a flop was Brawl. This one just replaced the Wii U one because they're so similar. Yeah. Yeah. Kelsey, what were you gonna say? No, the um, like, as far as you know, just purely based on on skill, Melee is still gonna be like the like the top tier smash brothers to play because you know you don't have the final smashes where it's just automatically a one hit ko um play is done even if you watch the tournament play now it's always three stocks on a um battlefield themed level which is the single platform with two with three platforms above it okay and we should explain that that this game is two characters um silly cartoon characters in combat and the fields are floating the battlefields are floating Mm -hmm. and you're trying to knock the other person off of the level off of one of the sides you either have to make them fall or hit them hard enough to bump them essentially off of the screen um three stock indicates that that's how many times you have to knock the other person off and generally Mm -hmm. three stock is three ko's three knockoffs or three three falls or you knock somebody into the blast zone the edge of the screen is a blast zone pretty much so if somebody gets pushed far enough they'll explode yes yeah, so. um, and also the the lips, levels are not always floating every stage has three 
variations of the same stage. Not all of them are tournament legal, but in the most basic form, some of those stages are incredibly weird and convoluted and difficult to play, like Donkey Kong's like moving platform stage, or and several of them actually don't have any space underneath them. Like there's a strip structure. Yeah, and then there's just some method of you die if you fall off, right? Yeah. 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 Um, now, on that note, uh, you said that there, there's a Donkey Kong level uh, for, the, for the game. Do they have one for every character now, or is it only a few of them? I well, think, I mean, every time they've introduced a new character in the DLC, they've also come with a stage. And to their credit, I think that's part of what is interesting is you get the character... You get the stage, and then they actually get a bunch of music from the franchise, which is nice because it really gives you like a you're getting more than just the look. Yeah. Kesser. Well, yeah, no, they they do have just like multiple, either one or two stages for every franchise, and then um, and yeah, uh, with the with the soundtrack, it's one of the funny things that they did um, as far as like marketing goes is people using the Switch as like a little MP3 player because they have so many like soundtracks from each franchise on there. Oh yeah, because you can just play the music out, uh, like yeah. in the game but outside of actually playing the game, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a really cool way to like kind of add value to a thing that would otherwise go completely un- uh, unused. Um, yeah. Yeah, one thing we should note, we, we're talking about franchises, and most time, most of the time people, when they think about a franchise, they talk, think about, you know, the McDonald's at the end of the street that's owned by a franchisee. Um, when we're talking about franchises here, uh, am I correct in saying that those are essentially universes? They're, they're fictional worlds that have been created, and games are, that are created in that world are referred to as the franchise? Or is there something else I'm missing? Well, I would... S- I would just say more or less just like the series of games because most most of Nintendo's games now have more than just one game to each each series or franchise. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk yeah, about franchise, I mean, I think to an extent sorry. that's true. I think that it, yeah, a franchise is different than IP in the sense that uh, you can have one can be both, but something like Smash Bros is a franchise or a series because it's it takes from so many other things. It's just that it's more of the actual gameplay that makes it what it is so it is not really intellectual property in and of itself it's more of a framework yeah i see that's and, interesting uh, like mario kart i think is something similar where yeah we'll get to that <laughs> um now does um does smash brothers use any sort of catch-up mechanic you mean like if you're down to let somebody kind of have yeah. an easier time coming back if you have taken a lot of damage, your guy is stronger. You have kind of like a beast mode in, I think it's like above 80 or something. Your guy actually gets a little bit stronger. But aren't you, but you're much easier to knock off the level as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so you get yeah. stronger as a way of, if you can land some hits, you can put on a little bit more damage on the other guy. All right, cool. Um, is there anything else? There's also all the, you can customize the hell out of it as far as like, gimping somebody or you know changing all the things to make it easier or harder for one player so if you're playing a, a match like couch couch versus couch 
uh, players, you you can handicap somebody to make it more fair. Yeah, like I could start with 50 damage every time or something. Oh, that's cool. That's a really good way to do it if you're trying to play w- locally with somebody who is just better than you. That's well, always no fun. Items and you put on items and it makes everything so much crazier that it's it's easy to accidentally win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, Smash Brothers is a really interesting game, and it's one of the things that I've found... Um, if I play with some of my students, um, if we, after exams, we have some off, off time, I try to bring a console and play. And most of my students are very good at Smash Brothers. I'm not sure why that is, but almost everybody can play, not competitively, but they can definitely beat me pretty easily. I'm not terribly good at it, though. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I. <laughs> I think I also think because it has existed for so long, it's rare to find somebody who hasn't at one point played one version of it. And That's because true. the mechanics have kind of carried over, I think it's not so difficult to jump in. I think that's a really good point that the mechanics have stayed very similar. If you know how to play melee, you can hop into this new one and you're just fine. Well, and I think that's where it got weird is when you had like the Wii version nobody wanted to use the Wii controller. Everybody just had to go buy a GameCube controller, take their old GameCube controller and use that. Yeah. Because that's really the only thing that's changed is when Nintendo does something weird with controllers. Yeah, now there's a weird thing in the scene, and I don't know if either of you are close enough to it to to comment on on it, but there's a weird thing in the um, older Smash Brothers scene, the GameCube version, where they use CRT televisions, the old tube-style TVs. Uh, do either of you want to comment on that? No, I had actually never seen that. I don't know. That was oh, really? Thing. I mean, it might just be because if you're playing on a GameCube, it can only output a certain mm-hmm. amount, and putting it on too high def of a TV will just make yeah. it look even worse. I was, I was talking with um, one of my students who does play, and they play on a CRT because apparently the frame lag is less. Um, all LCD and plasma TVs have frame lag and crts don't so they're outputting just directly from the gamecube to the to the screen with no with no lag so if you're in that like sub 130th of a second uh twitch speed then that starts to matter yeah yeah which is just crazy to me that there are people that are so good that the individual frame rate of a television matters oh i mean if you watch people who play like professionally they like everything is measured in like how long like the fraction of a second cooldown after this move where i'm vulnerable versus like it's pretty intricate people have figured yeah. it all out but it's fun that you can also just keep tapping a against other people and do some damage yeah <laughs> just sit and spam b and throw like a shell at somebody yeah the yeah. no, I, I will say like with the newest smash brothers it is it is good for people that like have never picked up the game before or anything like that because you have a different range of characters from like easy to play with to like there's only characters where, where you you have to be able to to even try and knock yeah you have yeah. characters that are just incredibly but, powerful so if you land one hit you're doing a lot and then you also have characters with amazing recovery so you if you're sloppy and you fall off the ledge you can get back on pretty easily okay all right, cool. Is there anything else about, about Smash Brothers, or are you ready to move on to, Mar- to, to uh, Mario Kart? Well, you should go watch one of the tournaments. There's like a bunch of tournaments they do, and it's 
pretty insane to watch people play at that level. Uh, would you suggest the Smash Brothers Melee tournament to watch? No, I would say watch the new one. The new one's the most popular as far as tournaments, just because it's new. And, and that's Smash Brothers piece. Ultimate, right? I'm trying to remember. I don't have it in front of yeah. me. Yeah. Okay, so Smash Brothers Ultimate tournament. Go look that up on YouTube, and you'll see people do stuff you couldn't imagine. Yeah. Or look <laughs> up uh, Zero is like the guy who's really good right now. Zero? Marth. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll and, try to uh, throw Sam a link. Sora. Sam Sora plays with Peach and is like amazing he won like a few tournaments recently yeah and it's so funny that a character peach is the um peach is a princess from mario yeah yeah, yeah. and uh he's winning major tournaments against all the other evil angry yeah. fighters from the universe she has a forward air where she takes her crown off and just smacks people and it's incredibly powerful that's amazing uh, yeah, you can also pull turnips out of the ground and throw them at people, so that works. Yeah, that works too. Yeah, if you've not seen it, it's a little bit uh, ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good idea for people to go to go watch the videos of it being played if they've not seen it, as it it's really just visually pretty entertaining. Even if you don't know exactly what's going on, you can tell this person hit this person and that happened. There's there's nothing secret about it. There's a lot of games you watch that you can't figure out what's going on. You don't know why things have happened. Um, all right, well, let's talk about Mario Kart a little bit, um, just because it's so similar in that it's a franchise where they just pulled in intellectual property from all over the place. Um, yeah, although it all is theirs, isn't it? I don't think they've actually gotten anybody from a, outside of Nintendo in it. Um, I know that they have some Mercedes carts. Uh, oh, I mean, I characters, like, playable characters as far as, like, pulling from other video games the way Smash does. I think you're right. I think it is all pure <laughs> Nintendo. No, well, yeah. yeah, it's all pure Nintendo, but there are some that are, um, that have nothing to do with the Mario. Yeah. Because oh, there's yeah, no, Splatoon characters. Mario, but yeah, no, they added Zelda's in it now, and uh, the Inkling from Splatoon is in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing I, I really wanted to talk about with Mario Kart that makes it kind of special is the catch-up mechanic. We we talked about how there's not there's only a slight catch-up mechanic for um, Smash Brothers, but the the catch-up mechanic in Mario Kart is significant in that uh, the characters. If you're in last place, the items you get are great. And yeah. if you're in first place, the items you get are garbage. Um, One thing I don't like about the new Mario Kart, though, is that they brought coins back. And I really don't care much for coins because it's the opposite of that. Because it's so much easier for the person in first to collect and maintain their 10 coins while everybody else is getting trashed in the back and losing them. And, and coins are just a advantage. very small speed boost, correct? Yeah. 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 Um, so you don't like that because it, it goes against that sort of yeah. equalizing mechanic. Double dash. Double dash for GameCube was my favorite Mario Kart. Why is that? Because you had two characters and you could actually hold two different weapons and toggle between the two items you held. Mm -hmm. Which I liked. I don't like when you just have to throw whatever's in your hand at any given time. Mm -hmm. We should explain that Mario Kart is a um go-kart racing game uh, based on all the Mario characters where you can pick up items which are essentially some kind of weapon or shield or something like that that are one-time use items um, and you go around a track 
three times or more and smack each other with these items. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> can't think of much else to add to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what makes Mario Kart actually interesting is that the tracks are so crazy. Because I feel like other than that, it's, there's a lot of car games where you kind of can like mess with each other or antagonize each other, but Mario is like uniquely colorful and weird, and you're like bouncing off giant mushrooms as you're going through tracks, and it's it's well done in that sense. Now, do you think that that sort of playful, um, very happy-go-lucky aesthetic helps with people not getting frustrated with it? Oh, I think Mario Kart is incredibly frustrating. If you're in first and you get blue shelled like right before the finish line, you're you're not a happy person. Yeah, no. Uh, I'd say that I'm probably in the minority when it comes to like favorite Mario Kart games. My personal favorite has always been Mario Kart Super Circuit on the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Weirdo. Yeah, what a weirdo. <laughs> so why do you like that one particularly? Um, well, it was my first one that I had ever played. Um, the, I think I had played like 64, maybe about a year later, but, um, but I just, for some reason that one just always like stood out to me because, you know, compared to, you know, uh, the first one, Super Mario Kart, um, I would say it's closer to that, but still has like a good, a better, more uh, modern feel compared to it. Yeah, the um, first Mario Kart's pretty rough in hindsight. Yeah, does not oh, hold actually, up well. Now, if you have a Switch, you can go get the SNES one, I think, is in the store for free. Yes, you can. And uh, it, is, it is definitely a, a throwback. Yeah, it's very rough. It's hard, actually. It's surprisingly yeah, difficult. Yeah, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one thing we, we might talk about late, later is how games... Um, have not gotten easier overall, but the entry point is much, much easier than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else with Mario Kart? No. I think pretty much the only thing, uh, the only other thing with Mario Kart that I would like to see would be if they added the um, match editability of Smash Brothers, where you could really get in there and change it up exactly how you wanted it oh, you know what i also like more about double dash is the when it gets you to the times at the end the lap times it did it to like a far greater fraction of a second which yeah. is more interesting to see because in mario kart you can really have the tightest of races yeah yeah it'd be fun if they would allow you to do all that editing um it would just make it a yeah. more competitive game because that, that game's really not done competitively is it no, it is. Really? There's a competitive Mario Kart circuit, but I mean, it's not as big as Smash. You know, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Although I think the way it's done actually is that you have like countries versus countries, and each country has like four people in the race, or like three people in the race. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's and... kind of like a cycling competition where you have like multiple representatives of each country. Yeah, and you can protect each other. Yeah. Okay, well, we've been beating around the bush a little bit on, on these two. Um, are far, far descendants of the Mario franchise in general. Um, and Mario's one of Nintendo's oldest IPs, and it's one of, and it's by far, do you think it's their most popular, or do you think Pokemon's got it beat now? 
No, Mar I think Mario. Yeah, I think recognizability. Everybody recognizes Mario. Yeah. Whereas Pokemon, it's recognizable, but what is like Pikachu, Pokeballs, like? Yeah, that's true. More... Yeah, I guess Mario himself Mario? is recognizable. Kind of. Now, the one thing I want to I want to talk about when we talk about Mario is everybody kind of knows the basic thing. This is a plumber that's gone to a magical kingdom to save a princess from a giant turtle beast. Um, well, if you remember right, I think the original Mario was actually where Donkey Kong was a bad guy throwing it was, barrels down yeah. a bunch of crap yeah. and you had to jump over him. Yep, we'll talk about but that yeah, in a minute. And from there it spawned into, uh, and he was also saving a princess in that one. Yes, he is. He's saving the same princess but from a different bad guy. Um, that sort of surrealism, that sort of absurdity is something that's kind of kept with Nintendo this whole time. Um, and it's something that nobody else has really nailed, or if, if they have, I'm not, I'm not, it's not coming to mind right now. Um, what about that surrealism do you think is important? And what of it do you think is just, well, let's talk about the, the parts you think are important or are important first. Well, one thing, I mean, I, they never invest heavily in graphics since, what, N64. So I feel mm. like doing that allows them to have much cleaner aesthetics without as much processing power. So instead of trees, mu uh, a mushroom is easier to render. Yeah, I mean, you look at, yeah, yeah. Or uh, if you have a tree that's just a green ball with a texture on the top, but it's not like every leaf has to be blown by the wind at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about level design? Do you think that, that 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 the surrealism helped with that, or or hindered it, or made it kind of stagnant? Oh, I think it makes it a lot easier because you can do a lot. And then that thing too is, I feel like the franchise really matters because they could just keep you could keep elements that worked and then build on new stuff each time. Like you notice every mar. I mean, there's also a huge difference because there's the old two D platformer mario and now there's like the 3d run around in the world mario yeah and that really started with n64 right that was the first three but what i will one. say is they also kept both of those at the same time like they still make 2d side scroller marios like mario maker and then super mario bros mm -hmm. and then they also make uh like what was the super oh super mario odyssey which was the galaxy no the, odyssey. odyssey i mean they made galaxy first the Wii, but they made a oh, Odyssey, yeah, right. which, which is a great game. Yes, this is, yeah. And in um, Odyssey, talk about surrealism. That hat. Yeah, he has a hat with eyes on it. Yeah, and he throws and can control people's bodies. And and special occasions, you can turn to a T Rex. Yep. Yeah, because you put the hat on the T Rex and it controls a T Rex, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now, so that's a that's an important thing. Like conceptually, you are like possessing another person, and that would yeah. be really low on most people's like list of acceptable things to do in a video game. Um, but for some reason, this little hat makes it silly enough that nobody's bothered by it. Well, and the idea is not you're possessing somebody to, like, go run into battle and die. You're possessing them, to, in essence, as, like, a part of a puzzle. Like, the only way to get past this part of a puzzle is to control a character with these capabilities. So he thinks it's a mix of the aesthetic choices and the 
actual game game gameplay well, choices. I think it's a way of having kind of a puzzle esque way to work through something without it having without and being able to introduce new mechanics without it being like too convoluted because you can you're just it's usually kind of clear oh okay this guy can do this so i need to possess him to get past this point in the level Mm -hmm. like this worm can stretch really far and i can't jump over this gap so let me possess this worm stretch over the gap and then you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think that that it's a if you think about any of the individual components of the mario universe it's completely nutty Oh yeah, you know. Oh, and then I, they do. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like just Mario Odyssey alone with how much like that with with how much they um, did like a a big nostalgia hit as far as um, like characters things that you can do in the game. One big thing that they did was they uh, they brought back Pauline who was the original. Uh, damsel in distress in the Donkey Kong games that Mario was was saving. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, didn't know who th- I, I did not realize that's who that was. Yeah. And, um, but then there are, like, some aspects in the game where, um, you, you can, like, go into a wall and it reverts back to the, the original oh, Mario. Yeah, 2D platformer Mario. Yeah, that's, yeah. I forgot about those, yeah. Those are cool. Yeah, so in that, if I remember right, you become part of the wall art, and then you move through the wall art, and then come back out? As though it were a 2D platformer version, and then you come out when you win it kind of as your 3D self again. Yeah. Cool. But also the level design in that game is incredible. Like the moon, and it kind of has like a nightmare Christmas vibe. And uh, just some of the, the aesthetics were done really well. Then there's like the sand one, which is always boring, but there's always like a sand level. <laughs> now, why do you think the sand level is boring? I'm, I mean, just I'm interested. Oh, just because it's it's a lot more bland than I guess some of the other things aesthetically. It's more sparse. I'm not a big fan of orange. <laughs> that does it. If you're not a fan of orange, that level's not going to be yours. Well, it's just blue and orange on everything is just kind of bland. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody uses it. So colorful. Like there's like a food kingdom level that's just bright crap everywhere. Now, um, can either of you think of any examples of where some of this original art from the 2D world didn't really make it into 3D, or have they been able to pull off pretty much the the gamut? They, I'll, I'll say um, they've been able to pull it off pretty well, and it shows especially through um, Super Mario Maker. Okay. Can you explain that a little more? Because I think that's um, one that most people probably have not played. Yeah, so Super Mario Maker is uh, one of their new Mario games where you can actually design um, your own Mario levels that other people on- online can play. Um, the but the cool thing that they that they do with this one is you can either choose to do like original two D style, the more updated Super Mario World style. Um, yeah. Or 3D. Or, yeah, or the, the new Super Mario 3D style. But almost every element... There's a few that are added, though, in the 3D one that don't exist in the 2D one. 
Yeah, but most of the the but yeah, I know 2D... most of them go over pretty well, which is yeah, to your point, everything more or less from two D was well moved into the three uh, D style. But that's still for the platformer, not for the three D world as much, like yeah. Sunshine and Galaxy and. Yeah, um, let, let's talk about that at length. I think that's a, a kind of a cult favorite that that maybe um, a lot of people also have not played is Super Mario Sunshine. Um, well, Super Mario RPG is the cult favorite. If you want to know the cult favorite. Oh, really? It's I've, yeah, I've not even. I've never seen played it, that. but no, it's like I've, it's huge. People love that game. Super Mario RPG. What console is that for? The SNES. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you have that, Kesser? I do. <laughs> have you played it? Um, I have. It's it's very um, it's very much like a like a Final Fantasy game where it's turn based strat uh, not strategy, but it's just a turn based. You you do a move and then they'll yeah. do a move. It's like the precursor to what then became Paper Mario. Yeah, I played Paper Mario. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually like a third genre of Mario games all by itself. So you have like the 3D world ones, and then you have the RPG ones, and then you have the platformers. But yeah. I do, th- I do think with Super Mario RPG, I don't think that one was developed by Nintendo at all. I want to say at the time, Square might have done it. Hmm. Square Onyx, yeah. Well, at the time, I think they were just Square. <laughs> Or, yeah, they might have been just Square. But, yeah, no, I mean... uh, It was developed by Square in 1996. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's... So, back to um, Super Mario Sunshine. I think that that one's actually coming back out for the Switch sometime soon. I'd Um, love that. And that one's for (laughs) GameCube, correct? Yeah, Yeah, that was GameCube. Yeah. Um, Whichever one of you wants to go on that one. Um, so Super Mario Sunshine is actually my favorite, my personal oh, I favorite too. Yeah, I think so. uh, 3D Mario. Um, they, I don't know if that one introduced, um, uh, Bowser Jr. or not, but that was like the main villain of that one. Um, but, um, no, I just, they basically took Mario 64 and then added added a whole like brand new mechanic that yeah you... they added the flood which was like a jetpack slash water gun like water yeah. jetpack slash water gun and up to that point Mario hadn't really had the ability to do those two things right I guess he had fire flowers but not not in the same way no um so... oh go for it sorry because I'm saying like with with the the flood I mean you can you can use it as a jetpack you can just use it as like a water gun um you can if you're going downhill you can use it as like a little like water slide and the the whole mechanic of the game was that you had to clean crap off of the stage in essence or off creatures with water so Mm -hmm. it was cool to be able to shoot stuff with water to clean it or kill bad guys or even you could just fly over it with your jetpacks and it would clean it off yeah but you still also had the old mario mechanics where you can jump on a bad guy and kill it and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. uh you are correct uh bowser jr's de- uh debut is super mario sunshine okay wow yeah. 
So, and he is also not considered a Koopaling, just FYI. He's different so from the funny, rest. Though, in Smash, you can play as Bowser Jr., or you can use the skin of any of the other Koopalings. Interesting. Yeah, he's not considered I thought considered they were one. Bowser's children, but I guess not. Mm-mm. Um, are there any other specific Mario games we want to touch on? Um... I'm trying to think of like any ones that were really standout weird, but there weren't really that many. Those the, the kind of RPG style Paper Mario, and then the, the yeah, I think the set we've gone through. I think the set we've gone through pretty much covers it. Um, There's also now, the Mario and Luigi series as well. There are also Luigi. We'll get to. Well, actually, let's just go ahead and do Luigi's. Um, uh, let's do Haunted Mansion. Uh, Luigi's Mansion. That's a really popular one. Yeah, that that just came out for Switch. That was really good. Yeah. Did you play it on Switch? I haven't played it. I played it on GameCube. That's the only one I played. The one on GameCube's good. Um, the one that's on Switch is pretty excellent. I think Sarah played it all the way through. Yeah, it was well reviewed. It was very well reviewed. Yeah, and that works on a mechanic of having a vacuum cleaner that sucks up ghosts. Basically, um, Ghostbuster. Yeah, it's Ghostbusters, but with Luigi, who is Mario's brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just also pointing out another thing that makes Nintendo good in some ways is like, so in Smash Bros, Luigi's grab is using the vacuum cleaner to suck somebody towards him and then he can do whatever he wants. And I just feel like the fact that they kind of take what makes characters unique in their own franchises and incorporate it into Smash is why people like it. The attention to detail? Yeah, and just really trying to make everything kind of unique to the character. Uh, You don't just have a generic grab you know like flavor yeah yeah and i mean yeah it's not anything more than just a kind of style choice but it it makes everything feel more each character feel more original and unique mm-hmm. yeah especially in a system where there's what a hundred characters in smash brothers now something like oh, that there's a ton now yeah i don't yeah I don't know. um so we're on the we're on the topic of the secondary characters for for mario and luigi's one that kind of gets under the rugged uh yoshi oh, only is pretty much done haunted mansion the two haunted mansion series are about it yeah for That's luigi like it's haunted mansion. Um, toad has his stuff now toad's treasure tracker have you played those yeah um well Kesser, give Kesser, go for it tell us about <laughs> um so the uh the toad or captain toad's treasure tracker that is mostly a, a 3D puzzle game where you are basically having to get through a level um, by either, you know, jumping over some stuff, moving some some uh, blocks a certain way to be able to climb up to the top of mm. whatever, um, whatever platform that you're on. And I want to say... The, the character itself, I mean, is Toad, but it's also a, a variation of Toad. I think that was introduced in Super Mario Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Toad. And who's um, Toad, for people who don't know? T- Toad is the little mushroom guy that is hanging out with Mario and his crew. Yeah. Um, He's my, my character in Mario Kart, always. <laughs> That's, I like him. Uh, and he was one of the he was one of Princess Peach's attendants in the first game, right? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, so one of the other characters I want to talk about in the Mario world franchise, whatever you want to call it, is uh, Yoshi. Um, Yoshi's his little green dinosaur dragon thing that he rides around on, but Yoshi has since gotten some individual games, uh, the standout of which is probably Yoshi's Woolly World. Well, that's um, definitely the most recent. Yeah. Uh, that's another good example, though, of how Nintendo uses, like, textures and color to, of, like, make something look really pretty without a lot of processing power. Mm-hmm. I think Woolly World actually won, like, the Game Award for Best Design, and it was up against games that were far larger in scale and size. Yeah, and Yoshi's Woolly World is a little just adventure game um, with this dinosaur running around, and he eats things and kind of poops them out as eggs or throws the eggs at people. Uh, but in this game, they retextured every surface as if it was cloth or knit or made of yarn. Um, or paper or like just they gave it all a really like cardboard box kind of stuff yeah it was just beautifully textured as opposed to being very realistic like we would expect in some games yeah uh kesser did you play those um so yeah i i I remember playing um yoshi's island which i think was also named like super mario world 2 Mm -hmm. um where it's it's you know the same type of style kind of um as like as super mario world but more it, it looks more, more... Like watercolory like they almost had like a yeah it it was very more like watercolory and it it definitely looked like like almost like a like a little kids tv show yeah more okay stylized. i remember that one yeah yeah and i think yeah, it's I really think that's interesting kind of what they've kept going with the Yoshi franchises like they're supposed to be more stylized Kirby it seems like they tried to do that too because they had like the epic yarn one and then they had the one where you're like a clay ball yeah yeah but those didn't do quite as well if I remember right um well critically Kirby I mean, I uh, sold as many but I think there were people like Kirby yeah yeah no but I, I think Kirby the uh canvas curse which is the one you turn into the in the in the play-doh one i think that one did really good yeah that's cool yeah it's interesting that they pick these odd stylistic choices instead of having to compete on um hard hardware which hopefully we'll talk about towards the the end of this uh, when we talk about the systems um yeah i mean i think that's why they do it and they're good at it which is i feel like they, they realize that the mechanics of gameplay matter much more than uh just rendering a bunch of trees really well yeah um for mario and the mario world universe franchise whatever you want to call it um is there anything else that we're missing are there any other offshoot characters the only other one i was thinking is wario did was wario ever in a game with mario or did he just start as his own franchise i do not know but i will look go kesser so so super i think it was uh like super mario land 2 or it was one random like Game Boy one. Um, Where he was in it as a bad guy. Yes, yeah, you're he correct. Was, he He's was the, the final villain. boss. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because yeah, I know. Because then they made a bunch of Wario games in separate from. Yeah, they got yeah. all the Wario Land games, the Wario yeah. Wear games. Or you just bash stuff. You run for it and bash stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a really good example of a successful 
use of what's essentially a throwaway character or what what most companies would treat as a throwaway character yeah yeah and and i will say that warrior the warrior wear games are kind of like oh that's a cool i love warrior wear i really want them to make a new one the one for the wii u is kind of a half asked one but the um the gamecube warrior wear i have played that so much and it is so fun yeah so so warrior wear is a yeah yeah so that is a it's basically a main game based on a bunch of mini games that you can do um where the whole point is you are playing a bunch of mini games that either you have to like press a button really fast you have to uh like either spin your uh your joystick a certain way uh it's it's just a bunch of um but part of what makes it interesting is that the mini games are so bizarre that the amount of time it takes for your brain to realize what you're actually trying to do like it'll be a big nose and a finger just going back and forth and all you have to do is press a to get the finger to go into the nose and you win yeah that is or very like bizarre swat a fly or you have to tilt your uh like there's one for the ds where you have to tilt your controller to make a fruit go through somebody's organs and come out their butt <laughs> Like it's it's such a weird game, and then like the main game for one of them for GameCube, an example was like, you were your guy was stacked on turtles, and then if you'd win games, you'd give turtles to the other people, and the more turtles you had, the harder it was to balance, and you'd have to try to stay balanced for a certain amount of time. Like it was, it's just oh, weird. that's clever. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good scorekeeping system. Yeah, and I think that 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 will that will be a very interesting one if they can bring that to Switch, just due to the quality of the motion controls on the Switch. Yeah, they could do a lot with it, and well, it's just a yeah, it's just such a good game. And there's it's such the, a weird but good game. There's the game One Two Switch that kind of has some of that stuff, but it's just not quite crazy enough. Well, yeah, that, that was my criticism of the Wii U one. Is I heard that like they called it Wario. It wasn't. It's it was Wario a mixture between Wario and Game & Watch. Yeah, but what... Oh, yeah, I was like... What was it called, though? It's WarioWare Wario... Smooth Moves. No. Yeah, so yeah, Smooth Moves was right on now. the Wii. Oh, that's no, the Wii one. Smooth Moves was the Wii one. I'm talking about the Wii U one. Yeah, that one was... It's like It was like a mixture between Wario and Game & Watch. Yeah, but what I heard hmm, about that was that, that it pretty much was a com- compilation of little games that they had already made in an essence to show off the hardware of the Wii U pad. And I feel like 1-2-Switch was largely the same thing. It's Game & Wario for the Wii U. Yeah, there you yeah, go, Game & Wario. But it was just like they kind of just had these games made as like showcase items, and then they took it and made this little game with it. And I feel like 1-2-Switch is similar where it's like, let's make games to show off the hardware more than mm-hmm. let's make this a full-fledged game in itself. Well, and I think that um, Nintendo does fall into that trap sometimes, and hopefully we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, let's talk about some of the other popular uh, worlds and franchises, just some of the stuff that people may have heard of and may have not, and I'm not going to go through these in any particular order. Um, we talked a little bit about Kirby. Is there anything else we want to say about Kirby, or is a pink ball that sucks things up and takes their powers sufficient? I love That's, Kirby. Yeah. There's a great game on the um, SNES thing on the Switch, where you pretty much are playing golf with Kirby as your ball. Oh, really? Super fun. Oh, I have to yeah. play that. 
and it's a weird game. It's pretty tough, but it's fun. I just like the concept. I wish they would make something like that for the Switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the physics in that one are ridiculous. That yeah. sounds awesome. I'm when you can like spin that. backwards or like launch yourself up, but I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, well, some one of the another older one, um, Donkey Kong. Anything about that, or is that just Big Monkey runs through the? I mean, I love Donkey Kong. I think one thing to point out in just a lot of these games is how they've evolved, especially with like Mario, where and Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is a great example where it's like it at one point you just completed the level. And then over time with each iteration, they've added more stuff that you can do kind of after completing the level to give it more playability of like collecting moons or puzzle pieces or they've, they've added all these extra little things to kind of give you something else to shoot for within the game so it's not just one playthrough necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I think they've done a pretty good job with all this series of doing that where they add more and more little kind of secondary uh, missions within the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also also like gonna say to the, or at least the the three franchises that we just talked about, the base game of each franchise, all play the same. Yeah. The platformer, just different characters. Yeah, they have yeah. slightly different powers and abilities. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I feel like that was partially just hardware. I'm actually was just thinking of, I wonder if the reason that Mario first appeared in, or like. The reason Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong, where you're Mario, was because it was a static screen. Like you could move your one character within the screen. You didn't even have to scoot the screen over. It wasn't even like a platformer where you're actually moving through a landscape. Yeah. It was like a purely arcade style game, like Pac Man. Yeah, it's true. It probably is a little easier to, rend to render that. It's like super simple. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else about Donkey Kong? John Henry, Donkey Konga? Oh, Donkey Kong is dope. Yeah, that's a great uh, thing where they took a weird spin-off and made like a weird controller. And Do you want to explain fun. it? Uh, you have like a little Donkey Kong bongo, and you have to smack it. It's like a rhythm game, and you smack it like a Guitar Hero type thing, and you clap and smack it. Uh, my only complaint is that the music is pretty horrible. Yeah, I can they see did that. not splurge on a lot, and I feel like it because it was for GameCube. That's kind of before time where you'd have like more DLC songs coming, you know. Mm -hmm. But still a cool concept. Yeah. Was that GameCube? I thought that was Wii. No, that's GameCube. I mean, you could play it on Wii technically, right? Because you the first week could play GameCube games and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What are what other? Both I both Donkey Kongas here. <laughs> that's amazing i still have a gamecube um yeah we have we have a gamecube too uh we actually have a gamecube for this next game and that would be pikmin yeah pikmin's so i can't cool. really say anything on pikmin because i've never played it okay then, oh, then john henry and i'll go on that one it's just a it's a for nintendo it was a very unique concept because it was kind of this top down you're moving a little guy and it's kind of strategy where you're you're pulling you're pretty much planting seeds of little people that you then pull out of the ground and use to throw them at enemies or have them haul crap for you and it's kind of a puzzly collecting items game to rebuild your spaceship and yeah. it's very bizarre but once again they made a weird style choice of having you be this tiny tiny person and so you're seeing bottle caps that are huge and like an apple is like three times your size 
and you use your little guys to carry it around. Yeah, that's one of my favorites that I really, really wish, I really hope they get another one of those for Switch because it is very strategic and enjoyable. Um, if you've not seen the art for that one, it's definitely one to check out. Well, the art they do like claymation, it's just bizarre. Which really cool. And that's yet another character that they put in Smash Brothers. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they basically killed that franchise, though. Oh, did they? Man. Um, because yeah, I know they made Pikmin... a really bad one for the DS. That's that's the thing. Well, they did yeah. Pikmin three, which I know didn't do too well on the Wii U, and then they did Hey Pikmin on the 3DS, and then that kind of just killed it. Yeah. Oh. But nothing did well on the Wii U. That's part of the problem. No. Yeah. Nothing. Not, not a thing did. Um, all right, another one. Uh, Metroid. Love Metroid. So go for Metroid then. Um, Metroid is another Nintendo IP that plays the same. It's a 2D side scroller where you're playing as a intergalactic well, bounty hunter. Yeah. Well, I mean, majority of them are like uh, Metroid One, Two, uh, and then they have a bunch of others that were on different systems like uh, fusion on the game boy advance and well the gamecube had the first person shooter metroid yeah it, it, that that one introduced metroid prime which was the the first person shooter one um mm. but uh but yeah no you're playing as uh, as a bounty hunter but what makes that the game that, that you said you like so much it's just uh, um the the atmosphere i like sci-fi space stuff like that and and it's just kind and of also, dark and yeah, full of and then just making it into a bugs. a two D side scroller, which is a, a game type that anybody can get into. Didn't yeah. it have? Because I always hear you always hear Metroidvania is like the term for a huge swath of games, but does, doesn't Metroid have more like vertical movement within the game? Yeah, compared to like a Mario. Yes. Yeah, you you definitely have a lot more um... jumping up on platforms throughout stuff. Yeah. Jumping up on platforms, you have different like weapons and stuff like that. It it it's a whole array of everything that you can do in in a two D side scroller. Well, that's a really good point that we should bring up is that all the games we've discussed so far do not include what we would consider standard weapons. There's no guns. Um, Mario. Well, Samus has a gun in essence. I mean, it's a. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. This is the first one. Yeah. Where you have a gun, and that makes it really different than a lot of the Nintendo franchise stuff. Is that Metroid's got that's a gun? That's true. Yeah, well, Star Samus. Fox technically, I mean, he has guns on his ship. Star Fox does, and we'll get to there. Chill. Um, <laughs> there's a reason but I. Yeah, cut I would just say those two are the more mature games of the franchise. Yeah, Metroid and Star Fox are both what we would consider traditional weapons of either on an airplane or spaceship in the in the in Star Fox or in on the person's arm on Metroid, right? It's actually Yeah. Yeah. Well what's funny too about Star Fox though is even though he have a gun, I'm pretty sure like all the enemies are robots for the most part. I think some of the bosses aren't, but like all the little ships are like these little drone type things. I think even the boss is a robot, isn't he? Isn't I mean I don't remember the first one very well. Isn't Ridley the boss, the giant like dude? That's in um, um that's in Metroid. Or is it... No. Yeah. Ridley's Wait, what, from... what was the question? I'll look it up. Whether who's who's the uh Ridley's the boss of which game? Uh Metroid. Yeah, Metroid. Oh, my bad. I thought um, that was in Star 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's an no, important... No, that's a... I forget the name, but it's the big, like, face. Yeah. Um, it's the big purple... I'll look it up. Don't worry about it. Um, Mother Brain. That's Metroid. Yeah, I know. Andros. Andros, yeah. Andros is the main antagonist. He's a malevolent scientist, according to Wikipedia. Um, But anyway, so I think that that's an important thing, is even these games that have guns, the, the bad guys that you're shooting at aren't people. In Mario, none of the things you're doing harm to are people. Uh, Kirby, same thing. Donkey Kong, same thing. Um, none of these games you're actually doing harm to a human being shaped bad guy. Do you think that matters for this stuff, or do you think that was just kind of a nod to get parents to let their kids play this stuff? No, I think it's just because they created such weird worlds. It's like, why would you be fighting people? If you're Donkey Kong, it doesn't make... I mean, unless it'd be a much different game if you were just attacking random people. It would be Ape Out. Yeah, exactly. And it would be bloody. But, you know, you can just jump on, a, you know, some stupid alligator walking back and forth, and it's everybody's cool with that. Now, do you think that is for the um, game reasons, for the game mechanics and the style reasons that you're talking about? Or do you think it's also, um, from the standpoint of it's just really hard to animate a person? I think that's part of it. I mean, you can make them look really pixelated, like Hotline Miami style, or mm. where it's still incredibly bloody. But I think... They just, if you're going to make a world, you might as well enjoy the freedom that gives you to make a bunch of crazy bad guys. Yeah, get really creative with it. That's a good point. Okay, so you don't have to be people, so why bother? Yeah, it seems like that would be more restrictive. All right, let's talk about a few more of these, uh, just some of the smaller, newer ones. Um, Splatoon. Uh, Splatoon's one that, that John Henry and I have really spent some hours in uh Jenna, you want to go on that one well splatoon was unique and i saw the preview for it like six months in advance and knew i was gonna love it but it did not really catch fire but it was also for the wii u which was a famously poor selling console and uh it is a third person shooter where the main mechanic is that the ink that you use to shoot your enemies and kill them lands on the ground and allows you to swim through it as a squid where you're much harder to shoot and much less visible and you can move really fast right based on that pretty much you have a whole game and it's huge in japan japanese people love it um you can speculate as to why but it's an interesting game um yeah you and i both essentially bought we use for that one game um yeah well, actually, I bought it for Smash originally, but oh, then okay. yeah, I was really happy when Splatoon came out. That game was awesome. Yeah, it's a and they released Splatoon two for the Switch, relatively early on. Um, yes. And I think that it's done much better on the Switch than it did on the Wii U. Correct. Everything has because if you sell five times as many consoles, chances are it'll yeah. be better. Yeah, you're gonna have to sell five times as many games. Yeah, if you've not played that and you're into third-person shooters, it's an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter, not first-person. Um, yeah, I said that. Third person. Okay, I didn't, I didn't catch you. Um, Kessler, anything else? Do you want to add to that one? I haven't really played Splatoon enough to yeah. warrant any um, type of... I think the only thing that I would add is that a lot of it is very style-oriented. Like, 
there's a lot of cosmetic things that can be done in game. Um, yeah, the music well, for the it color, is really the good. The music is amazing. The colors and everything, and it 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 has like a Jet Set Radio vibe, where it's kind of like it's how very you over bright. Um, yeah, but it's, it's like kind 90s. of like you're in a city center. Like it's kind of like not super clean, but still bright. Yeah, I don't know. kind of like an urban. Lots of graffiti, lots of bright colors. It's yeah, all the colors and contrast style. are kind of turned up to eleven. Yeah, um, and it's just bizarre. Again, they chose a they chose a world where they don't have to have humans in it, so they can have a lot of fun with. Um, both the character design and naming of things uh they went yeah. a lot of puns in that game a lot of yeah ocean puns and fish puns and what have you yeah um and the competitive scene for that's pretty good too if i remember correctly well they nintendo holds a tournament for that periodically and there's also like you can just join little like there's a lot of little kind of casual um leagues where you can join up with a group and play like you know, one game every Sunday or something. That's cool. Yeah. And you have brackets and everything. And I think that's an interesting thing um, that Nintendo games kind of do is kind of however you want to play the game, you'll be able to find people to do it with. Um, there's a lot of games in the world where you either, it's only casual or it's only hard, hard hardcore and there's nobody that's really going to play in the middle. Yeah. Well, and I think to that point, there's games. The game there. I feel like what a lot of companies do is they have like uh, kind of their main multiplayer mode, which is that way, and mm -hmm. then their only kind of handout is well, here's like a kind of mediocre story that you can play through. Yeah. And they try to get you with that, but the reality is you're not. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get good at the multiplayer unless you're like pretty serious. Yeah, and those of us that are adults that have jobs and stuff. Don't have the time to blow into it. Yeah. Um, are there any other of their um, IPs that we want to hit on before we move? Zelda. Zelda is a Zelda. Yeah, it's, he's on my list. She's on my list, and I didn't even catch it. Um, who wants to go for Zelda? Um, I can. Um, so Legend of Zelda. Uh, was one of Nintendo's like first like. Uh, I wouldn't even say 3D. It's more it's top down 2D, but you can go whichever way you want to, and mm -hmm. so that introduced that type of style. And it's definitely one of those adventure type games where it's 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 not linear at all. It's definitely it drops you into the world and you go and go wherever you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, and just with that concept alone, started a whole slew of adventure adventure games, where you know Legend of Zelda was the first one to start all that. Um, yeah, and I feel like the game or the N sixty four one was super popular. Everybody loved that. Yeah, Ocarina of Time. I remember that. Um, You'll never forget that weird noise. <laughs> um my personal favorite was uh Wind Waker on the GameCube. Yeah, I like that. 
I bought that on actually they re-released it on Wii U and I got it for that, but yeah, that game's fun. Yes. But but each each Zelda game has they've all that's been another franchise where they've had completely different play styles so the first one was top down 2d then um legend of zelda 2 uh link's adventure was a 2d side scroller mm-hmm. um then they went back to top down 2d for a while um up until in 64 where they did their first 3d one which is can be sometimes known to people as the best video game of all time. And which one is that? Uh, Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time, yeah. Um, and then they kind of just did the the 3D 3D aspect from from then on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what was it about? I think it was Wind Waker was the other one that you said was really good. Yeah. What was it about that one? So, the um, I think that Wind Waker broke a lot of a lot of barriers as far as um, you know, gaming gaming was trying to like get to at that time. Gaming was trying to get to a bunch of you know if it doesn't look real, I don't want to play it type attitudes. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, Le- uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, it was like, oh, graphically, this was like breathtaking at the time. And in 2000, I think E3 2002 or 2003, Nintendo had introduced um, or had shown off footage for like an even more realistic looking legend of zelda and then like a couple of months later um or a year later they introduced wind waker and wind waker design wise is the complete opposite of what everyone was hoping for yeah it's very cartoony um, yeah very cartoony very very like kid oriented it but the, the like apart from design i still think it is the um the best playing one yeah the, it as far as like controls and stuff like that it is it is one of the best ones in the franchise yeah and an amazing story to boot john henry anything else on zelda no i mean i've played several of them but um I like the the style of Wind Waker. I think I can see why some people were disappointed, but I think it it made it look so much cleaner in the end than it would have otherwise. And the, like a lot of like the ocean and boats and like the things that would have been hard to make look good realistically came out looking pretty good in that. Well, and other Zelda games have done a lot of. Um particular design um, choices yeah breath of the wild is a good example where even though it's much more realistic it still kind of has this anime shading to it yeah it has a lot of cell shading which yeah, is just, just to stop you guys breath of the wild is the current one that's out for switch yes yeah 
Okay, so yeah, and that that one is very pretty. It's a weird mix of realism and cartoon. I don't know how you describe it. You should just go look it well, up if you've not seen it. Yeah. Um, and then, but then they also had um, Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword, where that art style was almost like a watercolor painting. I. I I don't know how to like get more into it without you know y'all just looking at it or looking it up, but I think watercolor is a good description of that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you can look that up. Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword. That'll be any of these um, games will have plenty of screenshots online if anybody's interested <laughs> in looking at them, or video or video of them being played on YouTube. Honestly, a lot of people do do that nowadays. Yeah, um, and then. Then they did the the re-release for uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. um, where oh, that was a, with a totally different style. With that, that was yeah. interesting. So originally, Link's Awakening was a game was a a Game Boy game. Um, mm. That was a a two D. Um, forgetting the the term that I've been saying this entire time. Side scroller. No, it's not a side scroller. It's a top down. Yeah, top down. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's fine. A two D top down adventure game, and it it that one is is a lot of people's like favorite Legend of Zelda game, just because it um, you know, it introduced a bu- uh, a bunch of like different mechanics, like you can jump. It has a bunch of items that were new to the series. And in this one, it was one of the few games that didn't have um, uh, Zelda in it at all, which the entire franchise usually revolves around Princess Zelda. Yeah, we should explain that the protagonist that you play in this game is not Zelda. Zelda is the princess (laughs) that you rescue. Your protagonist is Link, the little dude in green. Yeah. Um, if you want to really piss off video game people, just keep mi- mixing that up as much as possible. Um, good jokes, good jokes. Yeah, you can do that a lot. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's the big one that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Pokemon. Oh, yeah. So Pokemon is kind of a partial first party. Um, they're not in t- It's a weird mix. We're just going to, for the purpose of this conversation, they're first party. Um, okay. So, other than the fact that everybody kind of knows vaguely what what Pokemon is, is there anything that either of you want to say is things that are just really interesting that that were new to gaming or kind of left a forever impact on gaming, other than the fact that everybody knows what a Pikachu looks like? Well, I I want to say it's one of the first games to introduce, you know, like, monster-capturing mechanics. Yes, I think you're correct. And, you know, then you have the whole argument of, oh, it's like having your own indentured servants, or, oh, you're having, and making them fight, or, yeah. oh, you're having your... You're gladiating, you're gladiator fight, fight, fighting all of your pets, but... And then, oh, all these look like little demons, so there's that whole aspect, but no, you're just ca- capturing either cute monsters or cool looking monsters and 
no one you're not killing them you're just making yeah. you're just knocking them out um is there anything gameplay wise that you guys think is really important that they like other than just a collection of of monsters that well, they... i think it was one of the first games where you could play it like indefinitely without trying to actually beat the game like there was a there was a lot more to do than just like moving through the story Hmm, that's an interesting concept. Um, like you can and... go back in places and catch and, you know, train your guys. Yeah, either you can play through the story or you can not worry about the story and just catch monsters. And yeah. there's Beat that whole aspect to it where... Um... Yeah, like, gotta catch them all was like the thing. Like, that's, it's not gotta beat the game. It's, yeah, it was like a secondary mission in the. Uh, that is a the, really good point. Gotta catch them all was the point. <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting thing that if you do catch them all, nothing happens. Yeah, but you caught them all. You know. Yeah, like <laughs> in the game, you don't get a special award or anything. I think in the newer games, you do. Yeah, and what yeah. that in the newer games, all it is to make your make your 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 quest to catch them all a little bit longer because now you gotta capture alternate colors of each 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 of them oh yeah yeah sparkly versions or whatever and now how many of them are are, are there over well, 900 i think the controversial bit was that this was like the first pokemon game the one that most recently came out to not include all of the previous ones oh really yeah well that well actually. that's it's different now because they are um they're now putting out uh, downloadable content where all of them are eventually going to be able to be in the game. Okay, whereas originally there was no downloadable content and it would just all be in there. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I I have my own opinions on that whole whole thing. We, we can talk um, about... I'll, I'll add uh, DLC to the list. Okay. <laughs> we can deal with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the... That pokemon kind of like honestly has more of an impact uh culturally than it did from a game mechanic perspective but the original pokemons were also the same top-down 2d uh that zelda was or a little different but same same style of world exploration uh and it looks like since the first one there has been about 20 pokemon games at least um well, if you, if you if you're including all like spin-off games and stuff like that. Yes. Or are you saying like are you including like all of the like different types of games? Um, you know, like red, blue, yellow. Yeah, just main series video games if you include both of each, you're at 36 games. And that's just main series games. It doesn't include uh, any of the offshoot stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's that's insane. That's so many. That is so many games. And I know people who own all of those games. I am one of those people. <laughs> yeah, well, you have 36 of them, buddy. Um, kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, so, I think one of the interesting, weird, secondary things for Pokemon that we should just touch on real quick is um, uh, Pokemon Go. Uh, do either of you still play Pokemon Go? 
No. I I'll I'll log in every once in a while. Yeah, and I think but that I... that's probably what most people have. If they didn't have an awareness of Pokemon beforehand, that's that's when they got it. Was uh, when did that release? 2016? Um yeah. yeah, and that was the open world where you actually had to go out in the real world, go to places, and catch Pokemon. Um, and so that was very different than than what it originally was. Yeah. And then, uh... I'm trying to uh, think that, of any of the offshoot that, ones of that that are important. Pokemon Snap. Um, yeah, the, there's Pokemon Snap, where you have to take pictures there's of Pokemon. Stadium, there's Pokemon Dungeon, there's a bunch. Yeah, yeah Mystery Dungeon's another one. Yep, that's true. Mystery Dungeon is an interesting one. Uh, yeah, but they've definitely done with Pokemon what they've done with Mario and just figured out every single thing they can do with it. In ball. Uh, what about art style? It's very... Uh, like, art style in the games? Yeah, yeah. Like, like just what, what do you consider it? Uh, I mean, now it's it's very much more of like like, like a anime aesthetic to it mm -hmm. but but in the past i mean you can only do so much with you know 8-bit 16-bit graphics yeah i think the original game boy was four colors it was white light gray dark gray and black yeah yeah it was two-bit color if i remember correctly uh yeah, and then there's, uh, as far as aesthetic for, for Pokemon, they kind of kept the same art style for at least all the accessory stuff for the longest time. And then recently they came out with um, that movie, and I'm going to, of course, forget the name of it because I didn't write it down. Oh, Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah, that is um, very weird, live-action flavored. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely suggest watching it just... Because it's a bizarre it was, interpretation. It was fun. It is fun. Yeah, it's a good movie. I Have think guys... I think they did a good job, or I think they did something smart in not making it just a true Pokemon movie. They took like an offshoot and ran yeah. with that. I think trying to make like just a classic Pokemon story in a movie would not be as good as that was. No. Um. Yeah, we're just not going to talk about the old Mario live action movie ever. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Legs? <laughs> no way, man. Um, are there any other of their of their IPs that we want to touch on? Uh, Animal Crossing is a unique one. Animal Crossing, yeah. So, I feel like have either of you been playing that? Appeal to I, women. Yeah, I I've, I've, been I've, I've been playing the new one. Mm -hmm. And give us a rundown of what Animal Crossing is. So it's basically like been... Sim City, but you know, tiny or not not Sim City, the Sims or whatever. But you know, you're like a cartoon dude, and you can fish and catch bugs. And what's but the see, point? Even yeah, even with, even with Sims, I wouldn't even like compare it to that. I I feel like with Animal Crossing, it's more like a. See, I wouldn't even know what to compare it to. Well, um, what's the goal of the game? Really what's the win condition? You're basic. You're basically just building up a town. That's it. Okay, yeah. so really do you win when the yeah. town has ten people in it, or what's the point? No, there but there are like benchmarks to try to hit. 
Hmm. Yeah. Trying to get KK Slider to perform. You're trying to do what? Get this little <laughs> dog that plays music to come and perform at your island. So you gotta beautify it and get enough neighbors. Oh, so you get a nice enough island and then a celebrity comes. Yeah. I see. KK Slider. Very well, that's just with this one. Oh, All the yeah, other no, ones. That's with this one, but that just gives you an idea of how kind of pointless it is. <laughs> but it seems to be very popular, especially now that everybody's yeah, got a little fun. bit of downtime. It's fun. It, uh, Why do you guys Animal think Crossing, it's so captivating? I don't know. There's just a certain vibe to it. Like, I. Yeah. So, I have been. You know, I, I've been hateful towards Animal Crossing, like, my entire life. <laughs> because I don't, I don't like that style of game. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it's it's more of like a like a like a second life type deal where you you're building houses, you're building towns, you're Making farming. Things. Yeah, I'm like I I just give me something to give me a goal. Yep. Yeah, or like some competition or something, but it's just purely meandering on so what did it about this game that got you i was bored <laughs> okay yeah i think I, I honestly wonder if because of this outbreak and everybody being stuck at home this game did like way way better than it otherwise would have oh definitely For, you saw that all the switches sold out everywhere right stink. yeah yeah i will say for me personally it was a mixture between boredom and 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 FOMO because all of my friends were playing it. That's fair. And FOMO, for those who are unaware, is fear of missing out. And, um. but I started it, and I have now put in, I think, over eighty hours into it. Didn't it come out like two weeks ago? Yes, yeah, and I'm I disappointed in myself, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I'm disappointed in myself as well. But so both hey, of you just put in two forty-hour like work weeks, back to back. Okay, that makes sense. That works. Um, <laughs> let's see. And there's been a bunch of those games, too. And those have gone on since the early 2000s, I think. Yeah, the first one was, I think, on GameCube. Maybe N64. Animal Crossing. Let's see. Yeah, the first one was on GameCube. Yeah, the first one's GameCube 2001. Um, no, that's N64. Oh, N64, you're right. Oh, no. What? Craziness. So, N64 in Japan, it got re-released uh, for GameCube everywhere. Okay, yeah, enhanced and reissued for GameCube. Yeah, um, yeah, that is the thing that, that they do. Is there anything else we want to... Um, I think there's that's a, most of the big ones. Yeah, I think that's the big ones. There's a few that have made a lot of money, but I don't really consider like their heavy-duty... Um, uh, IPs. Okay, um, let, let's talk about some of their systems because this is where Nintendo starts to get really weird. Um, most companies seem to, if we're talking about like Xbox or PlayStation, um, just kind of put the most powerful hardware for a certain price in a box with a standard controller and call it a day. And they run that for a few years and then replace it. Uh, Nintendo does not do that. No. Um, I actually. Play by their own rules. Yes, Nintendo definitely runs by their own rules. Um, the NES is the first one of their systems, um, and that one was 83. I think it was 85 in the United States. 
Um, the SNES is probably the one that most people remember, and that one was released in '90. Uh, that's and SNES was when they added shoulder buttons, correct? Yes. Yeah, they added didn't four they also buttons. Didn't the Game Boy in '90? I'm sorry, say that again. Didn't, didn't the Game Boy come out in '92? The Game Boy came out in '89. Oh really? Yeah, let's do their home consoles, and we can get in their handheld stuff. Oh. Uh, just because it's it's too much otherwise. Um, but yeah, the SNES was ninety, and that really didn't have anything three D, right? It had some fake three D stuff, but there wasn't anything real. Yeah, no, most of it was just two D. Yeah, and then um, I think probably well, the one Star that Fox, right? I don't, I don't think it was actually three D. Well, it was it was it's like it's a crude version of three D, like like fake three D. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. I'm just interested if there are any three D games. Um, yeah. So the the SNES, but that's before all of us. Uh, I think the one that we probably um, the people of our generation remember was the N64 was the first one um, so there were Star Fox was one of them you guys are right okay. Star Fox is, was, uh, was what was considered partially 3D um, yeah there was actually Maybe a co-processor that was in there that was in the video game cartridge. So that that's really interesting to think about is that the, the SNES did not have the ability to do 3D, but they added a coprocessor in the game cartridge to make it happen. Yeah, well, at, I mean, at that time, they, like, Nintendo, Atari, and all that, they loved, like, just adding stuff to their system, to their, like, home consoles. Yeah, the accessory packs and things like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so the N64 was the, one of the first ones that that um, that we had, and that was the beginning of silly controller time. Let's talk about silly controller time. Oof! Why was the N64 controller shaped like that? Um, I think, I think... it's a way to like include a stick without, but also still like maintain a gamepad. Explain. Just because they like, they wanted to have the stick, but I guess they didn't want to just like drop it over in the corner. Because mm-hmm. I guess I mean PS One was out at the same time, right? I mean that was where yeah coexisting. Yes, they were. So I think they like wanted there to be that kind of like pivoting stick, but they wanted you to be able to hold it on the outside, strictly like a gamepad. Well, I want to. I, I, I want to say it was definitely more just so you can have multiple ways <laughs> of holding the controller um mm-hmm. like whether whether if you want to use the the analog stick or if you don't want to mess with the stick at all you have the buttons and you can hold it that way mm-hmm. so it's it more for options of of control styles than anything yeah yeah i think it's probably guess... the first one that would be considered really somewhat ergonomic right well it was the first console to introduce the analog stick yeah, that is true. And and for for those people that are unaware, the analog stick is the the thumbsticks that we're used to seeing on controllers today. 
Uh, before that, um, the directional control would have been what's called a D-pad or directional pad, and that would have four or eight directions on it uh, instead of the smooth directionality of, a, of an analog stick. Is there anything else about analog sticks? Did I miss anything? Uh, no, that's about it. Yeah, I guess I guess they also give you uh, kind of a throttle as well. You don't have to go all the way one direction. You can go a little bit that direction. Um, so then after that, we have the GameCube controller, which I think is still a favorite. Uh, why is the GameCube such a favorite? Well, I mean, it's... The way it just, like, fits the hands is really good, and... Yeah, compared to the Xbox, the original Xbox controller, which was a beast, the GameCube controller was like so nice and you could kind of, you had a little space to move. Yeah. I liked it. I still like the GameCube controller. Yeah, we still use some GameCube controllers now with the Switch and the... Well, people uh, still use it to play Smash, too. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the only controller to use. Yep. And... You, had, uh, you had more give on the triggers. Yes. The triggers were actually analog triggers on that controller, which were interesting. So you could actually do a throttle. Um, and they had a, the secondary switch bump stop at the bottom as well. Talk um, about the C-stick? No, no, no. The, the triggers actually were oh, analog oh. triggers, and then there was a digital switch at the bottom of them. So there are actually two controllers in one, which, strangely enough, even the Switch Pro controller hasn't gone back to that. Um, but yeah, just to give everybody an example of how popular this controller is, there are USB adapters for what is now a twenty, almost 20-year-old 20 controller for their newest system. It's a extremely it's popular. Say that again? Sorry. I said no, yeah, no, it is almost 20. 2001. Yep, 2001. It's been a bit. Um, and to give you some idea of Nintendo's toughness, there's quite a few of those controllers that still work. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch that don't as well. I will, I will give I you that. I have like four that all work decently. Yeah. Uh, if we have a little box of them somewhere that all have varying problems. Uh, anything else about GameCube controller? Um, I think well, one thing before we move weird, on to the Wii yeah. and all that weirdness um, the NES and the SNES had the blaster uh, which was that orange and gray gun thing that you could yeah. use for like three games I want to say Duck Hunt was one of them Duck Hunt was one I mean, of them I know, for, I know it was for Duck Hunt but that's the only one I know it also, I mean, what uh, they made the Rob toy. Yeah, they made the Rob toy. They're, they're, they've kind of always done this strange secondary controller thing. Um, and, yeah. They and had like the we Wii Fit about... Board one. Sorry, go. The Wii Fit Board was a yeah. weird secondary controller. The Donkey Kongas for GameCube. Yeah, we talked exactly. about those. Literally a set of Kongas that were a controller. Um, but yeah, now... Moving up to the Wii was the first one that they had motion control in. Yeah. And that was a big thing. Um, I, I I remember working retail the Christmas that the Wii came out. And that was absolutely nutty. 
So what do you I... think? Say again. Uh, I was I was I was gonna I was gonna play off the working retail. Go for with... it. <laughs> um. I mean, it was is just N- Nintendo and retail. They have a they have a special mix of insanity, which oh, is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, we'll we'll get to their weird business stuff in a bit. <laughs> um, what do you think that the motion control thing really saved Nintendo? Because GameCube really wasn't terribly successful for them. I think the Wii stood apart partially because it was just so much cheaper than the competition, and because it kind of had this appeal of like family play and. You know, yeah, that's true. I guess the like sitting alone in your room shooting at stuff. Yeah, that was the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, right? Am I right on that? No, it was it was right at the end of Xbox and PS2. Okay, so it was a year before the other two came out. Right? Yeah, I think that probably also helped. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was kind of sold as a family thing where nobody else was really pandering to that market at that point well they'd have like grandparents playing like bowling and stuff and it was just yeah it had it had more of a uh, diverse consumer base appeal mm-hmm. well the the the, the motion control the, the motion controls just alone was one of their it, it was a gimmick that succeeded for them but oddly failed for everybody else yeah, because the PlayStation had it. I don't think the Xbox ever really got into that. They did the Kinect stuff, but... Um... Yeah. Well, I also think just when you are centered so strongly on something, it kind of is enforces it, whereas when you try to make it a, like a little ad, it's yeah. much harder for people to really want to adopt it. Mm-hmm. When you make it a central component, it just becomes yeah, the, the soul of the system. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so the Wii kind of saved Nintendo for a little while there, um, and they, they and they did bring in that board, the balance board, which didn't take off quite as well. Um, I think you're right that it was because it was an accessory. Did did either yeah. of you have that? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but that was more of a my mother. <laughs> Just because, yeah, like the 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 Wii. It um. It definitely introduced a um, almost like a like its own fitness movement. Yeah, yeah, it in really America. Did. <laughs> yeah, it got its own got its own little thing where people who were not gamers were using it as a fitness instructor almost. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about the Wii U. We have to. We'll, we'll talk about it briefly. <laughs> So the Wii U's biggest failure, I think we can all agree, is just they named it stupid. Right? It looked like an accessory for the Wii. It did not look like its own system. Uh, it yeah. sold like garbage. Uh, I think that one of their... Um, either their CEO or one of their uppers at the time took a huge pay cut uh, to just essentially eat the cost of producing the Wii U. Um but the Wii U gamepad was cool. Uh, would one of you like to describe that beast? Well, I think it kind of spawned the Switch because the gamepad was cool and you could use it as a screen for the console, but the problem was is that it didn't run the game, so you still had to be within a certain distance of the actual console. Yeah, it was just and streaming video, right? And that was pretty video, much right? what they remedied with the Switch was to just have 
it itself be the console. Yeah. Yeah, it feels... In the time, it felt like its own thing, but looking back at it from, like, holding a Switch and then looking at one of those, it definitely feels like a stepping point to the Switch. Yeah, yeah. it was It was definitely... It, the Wii U was definitely the prototype. Yeah, yeah it had a touchscreen. It had, like, a, it, you could play it independently of the main TV. I mean, it would, that was actually a cool feature, and I feel like that was probably the one success of it was, like, it was a way to have a handheld or play on the tv but if somebody was watching something you could just pull it off and play some smash or whatever yeah i think that that proved and i feel that like was that was actually concept. an appeal to a lot of people which is why the switch did much much better yeah they probably pulled a lot of data on how people were using that thing like i um, had it up um what is it what was that Oh, I just had it up. So yeah, the Switch sold fifty two point four eight million as of the last as of December thirty first. And the yeah. Wii U in its lifetime sold thirteen point five six. Ouch. And how many Wii how many Wii's were there? Like a hundred million? A hundred and one. Jeez, yeah. So the... But like the Nintendo three DS did incredibly well, so did the Nintendo DS. We'll That's why that. I feel like part of the market with the Switch is trying to get some of the people who typically bought the handhelds like the DS. Yeah, and the 3ds because those both sold pretty well. And then so after the Wii U kind of died, uh, the Switch came out, and I think one of the things about the Wii U dying that kind of helped the Switch out is that they could just port over all the Wii U games. So a bunch yeah, of the Wii U games just got ported straight yeah. over. Yeah. Well, well I think. Because... Yeah. I, th- I think with with the Wii U, its other its other downfall was the lack of their own new games yeah um most of most of the games that like i noticed were either just sequels to franchises that already existed um or uh re-releases or remasters of older games yeah i think the only notable thing that came out for it it. was splatoon yeah yeah well no i know and what i was just gonna say is that so many of the games that were good on the wii u because there was such a low product base for it when they port it to Switch, there's still 40 million people who've never had Played, a chance to play yeah. those games. So that's true. Even if they were good, they were they they didn't get the their time in the sun. Yeah. And then yeah. so as far as controllers go and the system goes, the Switch is just kind of a weird amalgam of the Wii and Wii U of having a gamepad that has removable mo- like motion controls. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about the the system itself that makes it odd or interesting? Talk about the Switch? Yeah. Um. I told you we didn't have to talk about the Wii U for very long. <laughs> um. I mean, no, not really. I mean, just the fact that it's got a inky kickstand is kind of weird. The janky kickstand, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah a having the plug right where you so you can't set it down either while it's on. Yes, well, that's one interesting thing to talk about is that Nintendo historically has been really bad about uh, standardized ports, and then all of a sudden on the Switch they went with USB C, which is which super is the standard. Best thing they could have done. Yes. Um, well, and the other thing I heard about the Wii U and why it was such a failure, besides just not selling that many was it was so such a huge pain to develop for because of the 
having a little screen that had to somehow interact with a big screen when it was apart. Yeah. And uh, and then also apparently just the, whatever framework they used was really weird. Whereas the Switch is incredibly simple supposedly to develop for. So that makes it so much easier for people to start porting their games over, which is why you see games that like Diablo and stuff that get ported over. You have XCOM coming. You got The Witcher ported over. Like there's, it's so much easier to develop for supposedly, which I think has made a huge difference because the big gripe with the Wii U was that there was zero third-party support. Yeah, because it's just too hard. Um, Don Henry, do you know is that a Linux or Unix core in the Switch? I don't know. Um, it's based on a like a, a tablet, and uh, yeah, it's based on like the Nvidia Shield, the right? For it. I, th- I want to say it is based off the Nvidia Shield. Yeah, it's at least a yeah, family member. Uses, yeah, the Nvidia Shield. That's it. That's okay. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, what are your guys' opinions on the Switch Lite? I think it's dumb just because you can't use it on a TV. Which I mean, I think it's I think it's made for Japanese people. If I'm being honest. Oh, it's made for I... small households. I, I think just Japanese people like portables more. And it is physically much smaller, right? Yes. Just a little bit smaller. Yeah. It I I think it was a good call just because, um, you know, there's uh, at the end of the day, the the Nintendo Switch is a very fragile system, um, especially with all of its removable parts. Yeah. Um, and the the best thing for especially like little kids is to have one solid one solid thing. Yes. Than than having to deal with modular um, devices. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I I personally think it's it's a it's a perfect mini handheld of a very successful system for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've been... I mean, I don't disagree. I just wish that it still had the ability to be put in a dock, sold separately, and project onto a television, but. I don't. I think the idea of making something that smaller with the built-in controllers is was a good idea, because yeah. for all the reasons you just said, I feel like the Joy Cons are one of the things I hear the most complaints about as far as the uh, drift and the sticks and them just kind of getting corrupted over time. Yeah, we've slowly had to replace all of ours. I haven't had that problem. I beat on mine. I think I'm just rough on stuff. I have some drift, but I've noticed if you if that issue comes, you can just push both your sticks in and rock them in circles several times, and it tends to clear it up pretty well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've not gotten mine to recover, no matter how much I like clean them or do anything. Um, but I switched over to the Pro Controller anyway. I like that thing. Yeah, I mostly use that too. Yeah. See, I'm I mostly play handheld. Ah. It depends on the game, because like lately I've mostly been handheld because I've been playing crossing and it's not like you need a pro controller for that no no you, you might miss a couple bugs and that's about it yeah. yeah um okay so that's that's all their that's all their home systems and then uh let's quickly go through their their mobile stuff i think most people game boy is probably one, one of their biggest words other than the word nintendo that they have uh, mario um, but yeah, so Game Boy was 89. I didn't realize that Game Boy Color wasn't until 98. 
So the original yeah. Game Boy was almost a decade. So this will this will kind of give away my age. The Game Boy Color was my first Nintendo system. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're a few years younger than than John Henry is, and he's a few years younger than me. Um, so yeah, it was yeah, Game, Game Boy eighty nine, Game Boy Color ninety eight, Game Boy Advance a one, and then it's well, they really had, they crazy. had Game and Watch. It's really yeah, yeah they, they had they Game and Watch Game before watch that, that, but nobody. Nobody who's not in this would know that. Um, uh, I think it's really interesting that they did 10 years, and then once they got the Game Boy Color, the Advance, the Advance SP, the DS, the Micro, the DS Lite, 3DS, 2DS, new new 3DS, those are all like two to three years apart. Um, Do you think it's just because they had the ability to, or they were searching and trying new stuff, or what? I mean, I think technology moved faster, but I also just think there was more of an incentive to put out what people are willing to buy. I mean, it's just the... Yeah. They... Forced um, obsolescence. That's true. You know, before, before they started getting into, like, super premium handhelds, like the DS... They knew what they had with a Game Boy was was huge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're a big company, you're making a bunch of money off of like Game Boy Advance games or Game Boy just regular Game Boy games. Why not milk that as much as you can? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it so costs like, quite a bit to develop one of those things. Yeah, but like, I mean, but they it had did keep a level of backwards compatibility and a bit, which was nice. Yeah, I think you can yeah. play original Game Boy games and everything up to Micro. A 3DS? Can a 3DS play originals or no? No, no, no. Um, no, so... no, no. 3DS can play DS games. That's about it. Okay. So The SP could play... The SP could play every Game Boy game. Game yeah. Boy, Game Boy Advance. Um, the DS could play all the Game Boy Advance games, but it couldn't do Game Boy Color or Game Boy games. Okay, so they had some level of backwards compatibility, but not fully. Yeah. Um, the I, their their biggest like I wouldn't say failure of a console, mm-hmm. um, but their their misstep was the Game Boy Micro, even though it is such a cool like little system. Yeah, now they're expensive um, to get though. Jeez, they're collectible. I, I luckily I was able to get get one. A rare one on super cheap before it exploded. Did um, you get the Famicom one? Yes. Oh dang it! <laughs> I want that one? It's pretty. <laughs> Found it for like sixty bucks in New York. But, oh no. Um, um, no, the Game Boy Micro could only play Game Boy Advance games, and it came out the same exact year as the Nintendo DS. Yep. Which could also play the new DS games and Game Boy Advance games. Yep. Yeah, it was an odd little sidestep that they did. And in hindsight, it feels kind of like a test run for the, um, what is it, the Micro NES console thing that they made? What was that that they made that just had like 30 games in a console? Oh, the NES Mini? Yeah, that thing. It feels very much like a test run for that. Although they yeah, pulled it but... off this time. Yeah, but... With... I mean, they were still, like, marketing it as a, oh, no, this is a new premium console, even though, you know, 
the Game Boy Advance SP was still their biggest selling handheld yeah. at the time. And I want to say it was only like 20 to $50 more expensive yeah. than the Micro. Oh, yeah. So that was going to just... They, they cannibalized their own sales on that one. Yeah. Now, is there anything um, either of you would like to say about the the uh, DS2 and 3DS that um, kind of pushed Nintendo towards the whole Switch thing? Um, well, I, I would say the the DS and the 3DS with with the with the double screen were definitely its own like trial towards the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it had more to do with the Wii U. And then the Wii U just shoved everything into the Switch. Yeah, I mean, I also think that the success, like, um, of the DSs in general definitely made it tempting to try to incorporate what people liked about it into uh, the... Yeah, that dual screen thing was super successful there. Yeah, the 3DS sold 75 million, so it beat the Switch still, and the DS sold 154. So it sold better than the Wii did, even. That's crazy. That's just so many individual objects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really interested to see what this quarter's Switch sales are going to be. I bet they're going to be absolutely insane. But I mean, just the DS line alone, I think they've had they they've had more uh, variations of those systems than the Game Boy. Yes, they do. Because um, they there's... had the OG DS, they had the DS Lite. Then they had the DSi, the DSi XL, the OG yeah. 3DS. Yeah, there's seven DSs and there's only four Game Boys. For... Well, yeah. and Game Boy and Game Boy Color only sold 118 units combined. 118 million, yeah. Million, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But that's over a decade and a little bit. No, I know, yeah. but I'm saying that that was a long time. Like, yeah. Those were two very popular things and they still didn't touch the DS. Yeah. In all its iterations. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that they, from their um, home units and mobile units, they kind of figured out what worked and s- eventually figured out how to shove it all into one box. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say that I own Nintendo stock too, right? Yeah, you have to say that. Yeah, I own Nintendo stock. John Henry owns Nintendo stock. Don't listen to him. He's a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> I um, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, w- I, w- I will say, like, their earlier... Nintendo made weird moves with their with their Game Boy line because, you know, you had the original Game Boy that was just that small green screen, no colored. Um, then they came out with the Game Boy Pocket in Japan, mm-hmm. and that introduced uh, a backlight, yeah, or a backlit screen, and then. They had the the Game Boy Color, which came out after all that, that didn't have a backlit screen. Yeah. Which was just a weird move at the time. And then they continued to not have a backlit screen with the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's just cost of component or to keep battery life up? Or both? <sighs> I would maybe. guess maybe a little bit of both. Probably more the battery life issue. I feel like it could be hard to do that. Yeah. 
Um, and then what the SP though did have a backlit screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, had two different. There are two different forms of the SP. One had a brighter backlit screen than the than the other one. Oh, that's interesting. They're just like two two hidden skew types. Yeah. Crazy. Um, all right. Well, while we're talking about them, them and how much they sell and things like that, let's talk about uh, Nintendo's weird business. Um, I think that one of the really interesting things is that they are a really old company. They're much older than most people think. They're like yeah, 130 they years old. Yeah, they started playing cards, remember? Yeah, they made playing cards for the first like 100 or so years of their existence, and then they hopped in with the Famicom in the 80s and then went to the NES NES, and we have covered the history since then. Um, John Henry, do you want to touch on that a little bit? On their, just like the way that they deal with stuff? And then we can talk about the retail end as well. I mean, I feel like they're just a very old Japanese company that puts a lot of stock in like a handful of higher ups. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like they're actually not, the stock market never likes them because they don't sell their IP as much as people want them to. Like they took them a while to get into like smartphone games and everybody's like, oh, you know, if you just sell this stuff, because the IP is incredibly valuable. Yeah. So they're kind of difficult and stubborn, but they uh, seem to be making some of the right moves lately. Yeah. Um, and then the only other issue I've heard is that they do kind of micromanage some of the other branches outside of Japan, and that can create some problems, but uh, I think they're probably getting better at that. Yeah, I think one thing... I mean, all these, like, 90% of their games are not made solely by Nintendo. They contract with other developers that they trust and like and they yes. make stuff yeah I think one interesting thing that they do is that they have enough cash on hand that even during their worst years of the Wii U stuff when they really weren't making much at all they could have run yeah. that out for like 50 years or something at, at those losses no yeah they are like a traditional like Japanese company where they don't like just borrow incessantly and try to yeah. pump stuff out they, they're pretty foundationally solid yeah, 30 years. The worst year of the Wii U, they could stay afloat for 30 years at that same loss. And of course, since the Switch has come up, they're doing gangbusters. Yeah. I mean, I think they're also a relatively small company, so they don't have as much overhead as some. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say that, like, um, they're, they're kind of move on, uh, like, content creators back in, like, 2015 they were when they were like needing money bad um, yeah they, yeah they got they, restricted yeah they uh, just anything that was dealing with their ips like if it was a youtuber that was you know praising like nintendo games or anything like or even just like playing uh a a, a song from a nintendo game yeah, yeah they would get taken down or either they taken down really copyrighted yeah. Well, then they yeah. tried to create like a some program that people like creators who would have to join up to do that stuff. But I think they've laxed all that lately. Like in the last two years, they gave that up. Is my understanding? Well, that was um, what's the guy's name? The the American president did that. Reggie Fizer. Reggie Fizer. Yeah. Uh, he he just he just quit, right? Yeah, he works. Yeah, with now it's Game. Doug Bowser is the president of the American. That's brand. amazing. I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he was uh, uh, Reggie Filzame. Um, 
was the guy that that got um, them to lighten up on all the content on, on all the YouTubers and content creators and stuff like that, correct? I don't know. I, I don't know how okay. that kind of went down. Yeah, he's the guy that, that if you're used to watching the little Switch ads, he's that guy for everybody else. Yeah. Um, the not Japanese guy. Dude, good dude. Yeah. yeah, he's a good dude. We like him. He definitely brought, he definitely pulled Nintendo out. Uh, or help. Well, and he definitely like had a good persona. Like people liked him as a dude. Yeah, he didn't take himself super seriously. Well, and I think that's an interesting thing is that Nintendo kind of over the years, even through some of their blunders and stupid stuff that they do as a big company, there's they're not evil. Yeah, there's like a likability. Yeah. To just the people at the top, Miyamoto, and what, what was the guy that died? Everybody loved him. Iwata. Iwata. Oh, yeah, Iwata. Yeah. And it's just like the picture of him in a lab coat holding a banana out in front of himself, just staring at it. And it's like, this is great. <laughs> it's really um, strange. But I mean, that also like kind of gets into, especially with like just the Nintendo games and stuff like that. Their their one their one goal is to have fun games to play. Literally anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. And and also be able to play together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely have a uh, uh, couch co-op and couch co- and couch competition bent, where most other game systems have completely thrown that away. Yeah, yeah, and they just have like a we love fun and games. Like we're not, you know, it's not like oh, I want to see what it looks like to realistically shoot somebody in a game i want to it's like i just want a fun mechanic yeah and i think that that is interesting and when you look at their advertise when you look at their advertising very little of it actually focuses on the games or game console almost all of it is looking at the people playing the games yeah that's true which is really different than pretty much anything else where it's just solid in-game action play yeah yeah, I think that, um, Kessler, you were talking about earlier about how, like, your mom got the balance board thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Nintendo has been able to pull off is grabbing people from outside the demo. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, or John Henry? Cause I think well, that... I also feel like Nintendo just... Like there's no Sega Genesis around anymore. Atari's not around anymore. Nintendo is pretty much the oldest one still around. So there's a lot of like dads and stuff who actually remember when they were teenagers and played this stuff and mm-hmm. or, or are familiar at least with the IP. They know who Mario is. They like there was a time in their own life where they were familiarized with this brand and have a good recollection. Yeah. Uh, well, they also the Nintendo also is very good about you know, making games literally like anybody can just pick up and play where yeah. you're not having to worry about low barrier of entry. Yeah. Where you're not having to worry about like literally 17 different button, button combinations and this, that, and the other. Um, like uh, another thing that, <laughs> that my mom's playing is uh, animal crossing. She just got into that. Mm-hmm. And well, she's no, loving like the, the famous. There's a, like there's a character in Animal Crossing who's based on this elderly lady who's 
played tons of Animal Crossing and like loved it. And she became kind of like an internet famous for how developed her Animal Crossing town was. Oh yeah, she and had like forty thousand like, hours an animal in the town. game based on her. So they did make a character of her. Yeah, yeah. I have her on my island. Oh, that's uh, really cool. I have to look up a name. Um, yeah, Adam uh, actually has her on this island too. But that's just an example of how it does have some weird reach. There's people who find themselves enjoying it who aren't your traditional consumers. Um, 87-year-old Audrey. 3,580 hours of Animal Crossing. Jeez. I don't... I don't even think I've put that many hours. Like, I don't. I... But yeah, so now there's a character named uh, named Audrey. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a really like. That's kind of a good thing that Nintendo kind of has that flavor, and they also call out a lot of their older designers in some of their games and some of like the end credits and stuff like that. They'll put little. Easter eggs for for them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like they kind of know they have a base, and they actually try to not be horrible to their base. Yeah. Now let's talk about them in from a retail perspective, uh, because that's where they've not done quite so well all of the time. Uh, Kesser, do you want to do that? Uh... <laughs> so, so Kesser, you should explain why you know this stuff. So I have I've worked with GameStop and and but in the time that I was with GameStop it was during the Wii U lifetime. Uh-huh. Um even though the Wii U was a failed console Nintendo was somehow able to market on their collectability Mm-hmm. One big thing that I remember being a nightmare to deal with were um, amiibos, mm-hmm. and that's these little collectible toys that uh, have in-game stuff. Yeah, they're 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 literally interactive physical models of Nintendo characters. It was introduced for the Smash Brothers on on Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um. And the it was an amazing like uh product for for Nintendo fans. Yeah. And the problem that they did with it is that there was there it it was very limited to to stores. Mm-hmm. And on top of it being super limited, they were also exclusive. Oh, dear. And so once you mix those two into something as big as Nintendo, that's when you run into people lining up like four or five hours before a store opens just in hopes of getting one of an item where maybe only 12 could have come to the store. 
Oh, yeah. That's rough. Yeah. One thing I uh, have heard about Nintendo in general, though, is that, like, even with the Switch, where they ended up selling a lot, is they never put that much into the market. Like, no. they don't flood the market, typically. And they run very the Amiibos, there's, like, they, they rely on that scarcity to make it collectible. And it, it works. Then they can re-release it later if they want. Well, see, and, like, and, and the other big... Um... The other big, uh, big thing they did was the the NES Classic, mm-hmm. the the re-release of the NES console, but smaller. Already had thirty pre-built-in classic games mm-hmm. on there. Um, they knew that people would eat that up, and yep. they did. Like I, each. Each game, if I remember correctly, each GameStop store may have only gotten twelve at the most the day of release. Jeez, I remember having a line of at least thirty to forty people two hours before opening the store. That's crazy. The um that. problem i have with that is that they eventually did re-release it mm-hmm. um and of course that bugs all the collectors well i'm but that bugs that bugs them in a if they're if they're scalpers and stuff like that oh, that's true yeah um but like i was having people call my store at least three to four months after it was already like completely sold out there that yeah well it was already like out there that nintendo's not making any more of these yeah that's always frustrating um and for more recent stuff uh they're out of switches and i think they're just starting to restock but i think that they're still running essentially at zero oh well when the switch first came out it was hard to get like for a while yeah i think i had mine pre-ordered day one but i mean it's like not that it's it's good and bad as a policy because if they just pump them out and then they've created way more and then they have to cut the prices of everything to get rid of them or Mm. they can do what they do and put out a few and just make people suffer and want it worse yeah and i think that that's actually probably some of the reason that they are so comfortable as a company is that they do not ever have to worry about just stock sitting on shelves all the money yeah, that they think... put into production, they're going to get back out. Yeah. Um, I was trying to see if I could hunt down if there's any in stock. Probably not yet. Yeah, no, there's not a single one in stock in this city. <laughs> That's insane. That's and it's... pretty shocking. I didn't know they were actually selling again that fast. Well, because everybody's stuck inside. Yeah, I know, but yeah. still... Yeah, yeah, it's apparently a big thing. Um, It's been a big issue. Uh, Okay, well, while we're on the topic of the Switch, I think that Switch is interesting because it's really their first foray into... Not their first foray, but the first major push towards digital downloads as opposed to physical cartridges. Well, actually, the Wii U had... I know uh, it did. ...store, and so did the Wii. Um, But no, yeah, this is the first one that seems to really rely on it for whole games, like new games. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I think that um, nowadays with cell phones and that's where 
I mean, even students that are freshmen in my class, all the games they've gotten have always been downloads. Uh, very rarely are they physical copies, but people like me, I buy every game I possibly can as a physical copy. See, that's how um, I am. I'm yeah, I mean, I get it for the collectability, and I also get it for you can share it. Yeah. But I will say that have it be given that the Switch is made as a portable thing, it is nice to for games that you know you'll play a lot of to just put them on it and have it with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to carry those little cards around and risk losing them or messing them up. Yeah, and let's talk about those little cards because I think that this is an interesting thing that um, Nintendo has done differently than other companies is that they did cartridges for the and cartridges those big blocky things with the circuit board edge at the bottom um for the nes the snes the n64 then for gamecube they went to those were those tiny cds or tiny dvds do you do either of you know i don't i want to say they were tiny cds okay yeah they went these small size cds and then which was a really weird choice also yeah very weird choice uh it was one of those very um Japanese domestic market sort of choice, sort of choices. Uh, no, it was a mini DVD. Mini DVD. Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then the Wii went to full size DVDs. The Wii U was full size DVDs. And then now with the Switch and the Switch Lite, they're back to cartridges. Um, and their handhelds have always been cartridge based. They they never switched to any disc format. Um, they never switched to any disc for, format. Um, and I just think it's really interesting that they've gone to this, you know, 30-year-old format for the new Switch. Um, and it makes sense, right? You don't have any moving parts. You don't have to worry about it. It's essentially just a weird-looking SD card at this point. Well, and for portability. Like, you can't... You're not, nobody's going to have a CD wallet walking around with them. Like, Oh, really? The 90s lied to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the other good thing is or that I like about having the the cartridges themselves are the entire game is on the cartridge. Yes. And, you know, once you put it in, the game is immediately loaded up. You don't have to worry about download times, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there still is... Updates and things. ...content that has to be downloaded to your console to update the game. Well, we should say that you can play it right off the cartridge, but if you want to play online or with other people, oftentimes you have to download updates. Um... And there's that's quality good thing. of life updates as well. Yeah, but there's another, that's another good thing with Nintendo is a good bit of their games, they don't require internet. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing, if you haven't done it yet, I suggest you don't do this, but um, the Nintendo Switch cartridges actually have a, a bitter agent in the plastic. Uh, and if you yeah. put them in your mouth, they are awful. Um, yeah, I was trying to get Isabel to do it, but she wouldn't do it. <laughs> that's not nice. I did it. I haven't done it. Yeah, it's gross. I just wanted to make her do um, it. Sometimes, if you if you if you switch out the cartridge and then you like eat something that's finger food, you'll get a taste of it. Uh, gross. But it's to keep little kids from putting it in their mouth and eating it, which is clever. Like, it's one of those small Nintendo things. Yeah. Yeah. Just wash your hands after you touch the cartridges because it does taste super weird. Don't tell me how to live my life. What was that? <laughs> I said, don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> okay, you can do whatever you like. Uh, um, and I think one thing that they've done really well with the switch to digital is that they aren't forcing it on people very much. Like, you can go both ways. They don't mind. 
Yeah, well, especially Nintendo isn't. To the extent that it is, it's usually third parties that are only releasing digital. That's true. Uh, but even some third-party stuff, like, I was really surprised that... Oh, I'm um, not saying, yeah. They like, Katamari Damacy, I could get as a physical copy. Um, yeah. Which I was very happy with. Well, and I also think that there's a weird... I think Japanese people also really like the collectability factor. Correct. Because yeah. even, remember, when they were selling digital copies, you could get, like, the case, like... They were selling pretty much just the case with a digital code in it. Because people like collecting those. Um, yeah, and uh, that's actually one of the big disappointments for me with the uh, with the th with the Switch physicals is that there is an obvious little clip inside the case where a book is supposed to go, and there's no books in any of them. And I'm like, just there's, put there, there's something some in books. there. What game do you I, have that has a book? Uh, Binding of Isaac is one of them. Okay, I do not have that. Um, a lot, of, yeah. a lot of their um their uh their games that were big on like retro stuff had has like books on them. Like I think, um, I think super Bomberman R had a book in it. Uh, another one I do not have. Yeah. Hey, borrow some of these from you. But yeah, no, but like a good bit of them definitely don't have books. Yeah. The one clever thing they did with the jacket on, it was Splatoon, where the, where the jacket, you could turn the jacket inside out and make the case look different. And I really thought lot, that was... A lot, of, a lot of games do that now. Clever. Oh, really? I guess that, that's yeah. the first one that I had that, had that has it. But it's just such a nice little touch that, that makes it just better. Um, the thing with, with like Pokemon Sword and Shield, you can turn that inside out, and it's uh, a map of the uh, area that you play in. Cool. Yeah, I think on... Um, Mario Kart, it has the controllers, it has the controls on the inside and the, the case on the outside. Um, Alright, well, I think that that pretty much rocks us to the end of Nintendo being good, bad, weird, and ugly. Um, is there anything else that, that you guys want to note before we... Anything you've forgotten or wanted to bring back? Um, no. Buy Nintendo really. stock. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Sarah just passed me a note to, that we should talk about Mario Party, or are we just mad about the new Mario Party kind of sucking? Yeah, I mean, it's an. I think it speaks to once again the Nintendo kind of wanting to make family games, which mm -hmm. is nice. It's a good thing, but the Mario Parties have varied in quality. Yeah, Mario Party I still prefer. The best one. WarioWare style gaming where it's like uh, mini games within a game mm -hmm. versus the kind of board game style, you know? Alright, so before we before we duck out then, uh, which which one did you say was the best Mario Party? Four. Four? And that's the one for GameCube? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one that also goes for like $200, right? GameCube had a lot of bests. Yeah. I think so. They had a great I think it's either two or game. four. Yeah, there's one that's just heinously expensive. I forget which one. Um, okay, so uh, before you guys go, what game are you playing right now other than Animal Crossing? Um, and what game or type of game are you looking forward to? Go, Kesser. Um, so other than Animal Crossing, I'm also playing uh, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay. And what are you looking forward to? 
Um, I am looking forward to... Or what do you want to next, see? The next Breath of the Wild. Okay. That's a Zelda game. John Henry? I already beat Fire Emblem Three Houses twice. It's a fun game, though. It's Nerd. a really good game. I love that game. Um, I am playing... Uh, it's kind of like... I'm mostly playing Animal Crossing. When I'm not, I'm usually... Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, which I actually beat, but there's like a bunch of levels you have to go and unlock by beating like a certain or like getting a certain number of whatever on different levels. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Hotline Miami, super fun. Yeah, let's see if I get uh, that one. I saw XCOM is coming out actually on the Switch, which if you haven't played that, Wyndham, you should definitely get that. I yeah, I think I'm gonna be on getting that one. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so, what are you looking forward to? Or what do you want to see? I would want to see a Splatoon three just to get it reinvigorated to play it more. But I just want them to do the events. You want what? The events. They can just keep doing the events, keep releasing content. Yeah, that's true. Or I mean, uh, Pikmin would be one that I would be curious to see if that ever comes. Yeah, Pikmin. I would also and, be very uh, excited to see. I want them to add to Smash. That's what would make you know. Sorry, say that's that again. The, they need to add Waluigi to Smash. Yes, agreed. <laughs> That's the great gripe of the internet. There's no, there's no Waluigi in Smash. Yeah, and Waluigi is the Wario Luigi. Luigi mix. counterpart. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, they give him a tennis uh, racket. Make it work. Tennis racket. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Um, it right. was a nice talk. I'll have this up, and uh, I'll talk to both of you later. See Sounds ya. good.